1: River City is come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Our current service times are 9.30 and 11.30 Sunday mornings. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life. This is Sean Azaro, and you are listening to the Reaching for Real Life podcast.
2: Hey, welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro. Come in, Pastor Sean. Are you there, sir?
1: Baron, I am. I'm here. I'm, I'm coming in remote, Baron.
2: <laughs> the eagle has landed. You are at the uh, the home palace, the pad. What do you call that?
1: We call it the compound. We <laughs> call it the compound.
2: Are there uh, grandkids in the uh, area, by
1: chance? There were earlier. So uh, not as much work was being done then, but uh, always wonderful to see them. I took lunch with them. Ah. I'm here working on some different things that I have to kind of get out, so... Uh, but when they come around, it's like, OK, put things aside for a little while. Go see them. It's awesome.
2: Well, we're recording this on a Wednesday. That's normally kind of your prep day for Sunday, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I do some on Wednesday and some on Thursday morning. And then actually, I have uh, Mike McGuire going to be sharing at River City this oh. weekend. Looking forward to that. It's going to be an excellent, excellent weekend. And uh, but I've got a big series this fall that I'm going to be doing called City on a Hill. And so I'm doing some preparation for that.
2: Hey, kind of take me through that, if you don't mind, just, you know, just a short thing. How do you get ready? How do you focus? How do you sit down and say, all right, this is what's going to happen on Sunday?
1: It is, uh, begins with prayer, mm-hmm. listening, and the scripture. And then when you come to the scripture, and sometimes it's easier. You know, uh, Preaching a, a book is one of my favorite types because it's very simple. Mm-hmm. It's like, what am I preaching next week? Well, I can look at the text and tell you. Okay, so just exegetical through a book of the Bible is the most enjoyable fun type i also I like topical, but that requires you to be listening and then go find what text addresses the topic that we're going to address this week, and then I take the text and then I just do exegetical. I just write down what the Lord's saying through the passage, what I'm hearing through the passage, and then you go from there. The biggest piece there is you know drawing what you you hear the Lord and hear the Holy Spirit saying through the passage. You know, we call that hermeneutic. The homiletic is how am I now going to present that to people, help them relate to it, understand what illustration am I going to use? How am I going to apply it in the context of their lives? That sort of thing.
2: And then do the jokes just come naturally or do you write those out yourself there?
1: Uh, Sometimes it's like if something funny strikes me in the in the writing or in the preparation time, and I think, okay, this will be helpful, or this will be a needed break or something, I'll, I'll write them down. Generally, it's spontaneous and just in the room, and you know, that's just the way, that's the way I look at life, and so that's the way I communicate.
2: And that's the way we do it on this, this radio show. You just never know what's going to well, happen. Well, that's right. <laughs> uh, do, you actually, do, do you actually write out word for word what it is? Or are you a bullet point guy?
1: That's a great question. Um, that's called uh, manuscripting. I typically do not. I write out a lot. Certain things that I want to be very specific, I will write out transitions between one point and another. If I want that to be very tight, uh, I'll write those out. But generally, I will have my scripture text. I'll make my points and observations. And then I'm very extemporaneous when I just speak. I'm just teaching the word as, as I learned it that week.
2: Well, that's what you are. You're a great teacher. And again, you can see what we're talking about. If you hop on YouTube or reallife.org, there's a link to uh, all your sermon series uh, right there. And you get that style, you get that little wink. And Sean, you're also kind of self-deprecating. And when you, when you I don't know, it's equal opportunity. You also throw it back on the crowd too. You kind of roast
1: your <laughs> the church too. Well, you have to, please. I mean, you know, well, one of the things at River City is very important to us. So we, we And we say this, it's like... We take God very seriously. We take our faith very seriously. We don't take ourselves too seriously. Mm. And that's an important distinction. Mm. Because a lot of times in Christian circles, we take ourselves real seriously. And we're very we feel like, oh, to be a follower of Christ, I must be very stoic or I must be stern. And I, I don't I don't see that in scripture. You know, the second fruit of the spirit listed is joy. And so I think there, I think there should be an appropriate lighthearted sense in followers of Christ. I, I don't th- I don't think that means that we're not serious. I mean we can we're to be serious minded I think but lighthearted. Yeah. Um I don't think we're to be burdened and heavy all the time. You know, we're to cast our cares our burdens on him, right? That's what the scripture tells us. Mm-hmm.
2: I'd be curious, the last fruit of the spirit is self-control. So how many times have you censored yourself (laughs) before it comes out of your mouth?
1: (laughs) Oh, Baron, you have no idea. I'm I'm actually pretty good at that because the things that pop in my head that I go, okay. (laughs) Can I say that on a podcast? I I don't know if I can say that. i definitely not going to do it in the pulpit here. Um, But then there's when they slip through. Yeah, that's gold. (laughs) When they slip through. When I slip through and I'm like, okay, that was not smart. And I'll usually... You know, I go and report, I'll usually say, okay, that was a bit too far. Wasn't yeah, it?
2: that's so, sides. I've heard you say many times. Offsides, throw the flag right there for the ball. Offsides, yes. Uh, well, as again, we're recording this on a Wednesday this week. Uh, big news uh, happening in America here. The first uh, Republican primary debates are happening tonight, uh, not with a full dais there. I think there's one guy that's skipping out. Uh, are you going to try to catch uh, that?
1: I, I cannot be there. I cannot be there. <laughs> I'm yes, sorry. Skipping out. They, they invited me. Yeah. I am unable to be there. I hope to. It's interesting. To me, I, I think these are interesting to know your candidates. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm really uh, on that side of the aisle. I'm a, I am think Ron DeSantis has proven himself in Florida. See, because, again, I think there's lots of people who can speak well. Sadly, actually, let me amend that statement. There's too few who speak well, right? Mm, right. Uh, but DeSantis, I think, does a nice job of communicating his ideas. But he has also done it in Florida. And one of the biggest things I think a Republican has to do is be willing to realize, okay, I'm going to not only have to push my agenda and my message and do my job, but I'm going to have to fight a media that is very left-leaning and uh, unapologetically distorts my message. And I think Ron DeSantis has done a very good job with that in Florida. And he's acted on things that we all say, wow, that's important. Somebody should do something. I think he's done that. Is he a perfect candidate? No, no such thing. Doesn't exist. But so I'm kind of because of his track record. Because I can hear someone speak very well at a debate and go, wow, their ideas are good. And that's, I think, important. However, will they be able to do it when the pressure's on? Because you get to Washington, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, it's such a pressure cooker. Mm -hmm. And for whatever you want to say about former President Trump, one of the things he did when he went to washington he simply did what he said he would do you know and of course all the you know the rhetoric and the the narcissism and the way he spoke about people and stuff was just intolerable but as far as just policy and what he did you know he just did it he appointed the judges he said he'd appoint even things like in the Middle East, you know, we saw an incredible number of nations actually sign peace treaties with Israel under the Trump administration. He said he was going to move the capital, or he was going to move yeah. the, our, our embassy back to Jerusalem, and he did. Um, so, I mean, whether you like him or not, you go, here's a guy who did what he said he would do, and that is an unusual thing. Pence is
2: also on the, on the dais tonight. Uh... You know, what? what's your take on him? Does he have a chance or
1: is he damaged goods? Oh, I don't know. Um, I've always, I always liked Mike Pence as he mm. went along. I liked him as a governor in Indiana. But here's the thing. When Donald Trump was first elected, I I was not a Trump supporter in the Republican primaries. I,
0: yeah.
1: I was actually a Ben Carson guy. Yeah. You know Carson. I did. We have pictures. <laughs> True. That's right. I mean... He calls me. We text frequently. Exactly.
2: I'm doing some brain surgery, <laughs> okay. Sean.
1: I I did meet Carson. The rest was a lie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, and I remember telling Lori, listen to him speak. He's an obvious believer. And I remember telling Lori, man, I like him. I like his heart. I like what he stands for. He's too decent a guy to get elected. Mm. You got to be a fighter. Mm. I mean, I, I literally think you have to be able to 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 slug your way and your message through all of the soup and the mire that is the national political scene, you've got to be a fighter, and i I didn't see that i I did support him, but even in that even in that primary after he dropped out, I supported Cruz because again, I couldn't really believe donald Trump it was mm-hmm. It was like that was a reality TV show mm-hmm. and then of course, you know Trump surprised us, yeah, but I put Mike Pence sometimes I think in a similar category. I mean, I don't know how he'd fare.
2: Do you think one of these guys that are performing tonight is going to be the next president?
1: Oh, man. I, obviously, Baron. you know, you and I lean more conservative. I I would maybe hope so. Mm-hmm. I would certainly hope so. Uh, again, like we said last week, don't have a, a D or an R on my shirt. We have a C and a cross, right? Absolutely. So I want someone who's going to make room for religious freedom. I want someone who's going to be... Fair and honest. I want someone who's actually going to make more freedom, not less. So, mm. you know, where that falls, that falls.
2: Uh, Pastor Sean, the feedback is coming on the last podcast. It was kind of fun there as uh, Papaw went on, <laughs> on a rant. If you, do you remember that? <laughs> that was good.
1: <laughs> I don't remember any of that, Baron. What are you say <laughs> Get out of my yard.
2: You... <laughs> well, what I'd like to do is, I, as, as again, with the starting off here with the debates, a uh, lot of stuff in the headlines here. I, can I get some some quick takes from you from these headlines?
1: Sure. Go ahead.
2: All right. I'm looking at USA Today. Here it is. USA Today suggests parents place contraceptives in teens back to school supplies. Wow.
1: Morons. Go ahead. Next, <laughs> Next <one>. question. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I can't even. I can't even process that. I get mad about having. Uh, we we helped. We bought some cool supplies for some of our grandkids, and uh, I, I was ticked about having to buy the the Kleenex or oh. the, the little highlighters, right? Yeah. I, again, that's such a philosophical. I mean, for us, we understand the benefit of sexual purity. We understand that you actually can teach people that God designed us a certain way, and we actually can teach our kids to a- a- abstain. And the benefit of that, but you know, this idea of putting contraceptives in your kids' backpacks mm. when when that goes south, um, don't say you weren't warned, right? Very and, and as a follower of Christ, obviously, I think that's only going to even if you say, "Oh, you shouldn't," but if you do here, you you know what behavior you're going to get, and there's consequences for that. And I just think an unwanted pregnancy is one consequence. There are lots of others, and uh, contraception doesn't stop that.
2: Mm. Uh, Next topic here. The U.S. government's actually had hearings on this. Are aliens and UFOs real? Astrophysicist reveals why these terrifying things might not be what they seem. Pastor Sean, are there aliens? Uh, Is there life (laughs) on other
1: planets? (laughs) Well, Baron. In Texas? What's funny is, you know, uh, the government has been studying this stuff for years. So that makes you go, okay, what have they seen? What haven't they seen? Uh, From a biblical perspective, I'm one who what we have in our scripture is to us. So does, is there anything scripturally to say God couldn't have other planets with life on them? I don't, I don't necessarily see that. So I don't know, but I'm not one who hinges a lot of my reputation or whatever on a yes or no answer on that.
2: Uh, Larry Norman, you're familiar with the artist Larry Norman, had a song called UFO and the lyric that I liked in there said that uh, if there's life on other planets, then I'm sure that they must know that Christ has been there once already and died to save their soul. So Jesus would have nice. to go to that planet too. Nice. Yeah. Thank you.
1: <laughs> wait, 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 why can't redemption uh, work in inter, in interplanetary interstellar sense?
2: Uh, excellent. You know what?
1: Next question. This is a theological debate. I, I, I hope we get this going. I hope we can get some, some traction on this. We'll,
2: we'll, we'll do a midnight version of UFO shows in <laughs> truckers. Can
1: redemption be interstellar? Okay.
2: Brilliant. Uh, 52% of Protestant churchgoers say their church encourages prosperity, gospel beliefs.
1: Uh, I would have to say, and whenever I hear stuff like that, how do you define it? How are you defining prosperity gospel belief? Mm -hmm. Prosperity gospel is this sense that God wants everybody to be rich. The scripture plainly says God wants everyone to prosper as their soul prospers. So I believe God wants you to prosper. Does that mean God wants everybody to be rich? No. (laughs) You know, if some people in the prosperity vein, in that prosperity kind of school of thought say, well, if you're not rich, then you just don't have faith. And I'm like, well, then Peter and John, when they went up to the temple to pray and said, silver and gold, we don't have. Okay, it's because they didn't have faith, mm-hmm. right? But of course, then they just grab a guy and say, but what I do have to give you in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Mm-hmm. So I guess faith wasn't the problem. So I, I, don't, believe, I don't believe the what we hear as the prosperity gospel. That right? is
2: great. I love what you just said. That is the argument. That's, that settles it right there.
1: Right. Peter and John, silver and gold have I none. Okay, it's not lack of faith. Let let me tell you what the Bible's, the center of biblical teaching on wealth is. Okay, the scripture doesn't tell us that everyone's supposed to be rich. Scripture doesn't tell us everybody's supposed to be poor. Scripture tells us we're all supposed to be content. Contentment is the center of biblical teaching when it comes to resources. We're to be content. And understand, when I'm content with what I have, I'm rich. It's like, I have everything I need. Thank you, Lord. I am blessed. I'm grateful. When, when I find I don't feel rich it's when I find, hey, I'm, being in, I'm, I'm not being content. And I have met content people in extremely impoverished situations. If they had a roof over their head and they had you know, meals enough to keep them healthy, they were joyful and happy. And then I come back here to the United States and it's like, okay, almost all of us have those very basic needs. We don't even think about that. We're going after more. And I think that's, that's the issue. So we could take a lesson in contentment.
2: I'm happy you said that. Uh, Pastor Sean, uh, Morris Brown college and Hollywood studios, reinstitute mask mandates. COVID's coming back. Do we do it again? No, it's not.
1: I reject it. I reject COVID. Just say no. (laughs) When COVID tries to come get me, I rebuke you. (laughs) Yeah. I, I mean, Baron, there's some people who haven't stopped. There's stores that still have social distancing signs. I, I think there's lots of people wearing masks in their car by themselves. I, I don't think as a Christ follower, I'm supposed to be spent a lot of time just being critical of people. I don't think that's my thing, but I think so much damage was done. I think when we start talking about widespread, does it bother me that a studio in Hollywood or a college? No. I mean, that's not terribly surprising. If states started saying, okay, we're going to do lockdowns again over A virus after the evidence that we now have and what we've seen versus those states that did and those that didn't versus those that mandated masks and those that didn't, those that mandated vaccines and those that didn't. If anybody did that, I hope the citizenry would wake up and would change their leadership, would get serious at the ballot box and vote leaders who are a little more proactive and common sense in their problem solving. If you're struggling with something right now, forget the masks for a minute or the lockdowns. If you're in your life struggling with something, you find yourself afraid, I encourage you, get with some people who you know and trust, be praying, seek the Lord, and find out that perfect love casts out all fear, and don't make decisions in a panicked or fearful state. Step back, get some good counsel, calm down, and and think clearly. Fear always causes us to make bad decisions. Mm.
2: Well said, Pastor. Dude, you're doing great. I just want you to know.
1: Man, I like this format because literally you're just saying things like, tell me your opinion. That's what I I like to do.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow. Well, I think I think I got a big one here for you Pastor Sean. Uh, I'm going to read this headline from the Washington Times. It's the kind of the first sentence in here. The International Powerlifting Federation has tightened its transgender policy after a 40-year-old male-born lifter broke multiple women's records at a meet this month in Canada. They're tightening up the rules of men competing against women after a trans athlete shatters these these women's records. Where do you start?
1: Mm. Man, well, Baron, I mean, I, we we've We've heard lots of conversation about this. We all recognize on one level, this is to, to people who I think have a common sense or a biblical worldview or just a, a, a grasp of reality and like are living in the real world. This is insanity, right? Uh, by the way, let me say the story is good news. I'm glad that powerlifting Association prohibited males from lifting in female events. That's a step in the right direction. Excellent. A win for common sense. But every day we're hit with so many of these different issues. And the the fact that this is a serious cultural discussion, I think is challenging for Christians. We want to engage the culture in a way that is productive and loving and helpful. And then there's things like this that are so... Off the wall and bizarre, you know, you you have compassion on people who struggle with gender dysphoria, which is the actual—that's the disorder, right? When you think about gender dysphoria, there's a couple of reasons that often people struggle with this. They feel uncomfortable or not at home in their own body, and the two prevailing reasons I think are, from everything I've read, mental illness. Just a, a mental disorder, a gender dysphoria is listed as a psychiatric disorder, has been for years. It's not new. And then, of course, it, as a, a sexual fetish. And either is not a reason to have men lifting in women's events. It's not, That's not something that you sit and go, well, since you feel this way, I'm going to go ahead and go along with your delusion. Mm. Okay? That's not loving and that's not kind. And some people say, how hateful. That's they can't help the way they are. Stop it. Please stop. This is the thing that you have bought into. If you if you think that, if you're saying, wait a minute, that's just like hair color, that's just like race, they can't help their perceived gender. The the fact is that's a disorder. And for us to be loving to someone, you know, speaking the truth in love is what the scripture says. If you're if you're speaking love without truth, that's not that's not very loving. You know, so at a certain point, as followers of Jesus, we have to say, "How can I actually help?" All right, not how can I avoid criticism. I think some of us are afraid of criticism. We're afraid of being in the you know crosshairs of the political lunatics who are rallying around this issue. Mm -hmm. I think we have to stop as Christians and remember: wait a minute, those are real people. There's real people who are struggling. Now, a third cause for this is kind of the the hysteria there are just uh, i think a lot of in a lot of places young people who are struggling they're lonely they there's a lot of attention to be had in saying you're transgender and so i think there is that and that's why you see so many of these young people get these surgeries and these medical treatments and then regret them Mm. and you know have this remorse years later and go i can't go back now Mm. i some these people allowed me to make a decision at 14 that i was in no way prepared to make and so it's like we're throwing all common sense and decency out the window because we don't want to say no to anyone. And, and it's, a, it's a bizarre state that we find ourselves in.
2: Hey, a lot of people nowadays have someone in their family or know someone who might be going through that dysphoria. Help me as a believer. Uh, how do I be loving? How do I speak the truth well, in love?
1: No, that's a great, that is a great question. Because it's hard when someone has been trained or conditioned by a culture that Anything other than good for you, you do whatever you want, is hatred and bigotry, mm. right? When they've been conditioned to that, it's very hard to speak lovingly and honestly. Because they're already, they've got their defenses up. If you do anything but other than applaud their decision, you're a hater. Mm. And so I think you have to understand that dynamic, and then you proceed how you would treat anybody that you love mm-hmm. in, in this situation. One, I'm not going to pretend, I'm not buying into the cultural mass hysteria and mass delusion that there's no such thing as actual gender, Mm -hmm. because we know there is. Mm. We know that gender is an actual thing. Oh, no, no, it's something, it's a third thing. Okay, that's just terms. You're just making things up, okay? I'm not going to go, I'm not going to play. Baron. when it comes to someone that I know and care about and love, I just want God's love, I want his grace, and I want his compassion if someone has changed their name um i'll use the name that they want me to use because that's that's their choice but i'm not going to refer to them as a man when they're a woman or a woman when they're a man i'm not going to use pronouns that don't reflect the english language you don't get to change all that because i'm i don't find that helpful that is not loving and that's not that's not helpful to the person and so man i just pray for wisdom and I think with relationship and acceptance of the person, here's the thing. We can accept the person who is struggling with gender dysphoria just as they are. And and I don't that doesn't have to be a dividing point unless they make it one. If they make it one, well, I can't help that. Mm. Right. But if if they'll still be my friend, knowing that, you know, I, I'm I'm going to live in the reality that we've lived in for thousands of years and not this new reality for that's been here for 15 minutes, right? And I'm not gonna change everything that, then if they'll still be my friend, then I'll do that, and I'm just praying that the Lord leads us, um, and just pray for wisdom, and and do your best to do what Jesus would do.
0: Mm.
2: That's awesome, Pastor Sean. I feel like we're just scratching the surface on this, and I think we've got a guest coming up uh, on the horizon that uh, will help us dig in a little bit more. Uh, I think next week, we're going to talk to Dr. Katie McCoy. She wrote a new book called The Guide to Gender Identity Issues Among Women. We'll look forward to that. I have one final question for you Pastor Sean. Need your take mm-hmm. here. Greatest singer-songwriter.
1: Oh my gosh. You know my name James Taylor comes right to the surface. Well, but singer-songwriter Bob Dylan? I mean, you got Bob Dylan. Yeah. You've got I mean, singer-songwriter do the does John Lennon count? I mean, uh does uh,
2: I I don't I, count I don't count John Lennon in that for some strange reason. Uh, <laughs> I I, <laughs> I got Dylan like you, James Taylor for sure. You left out Sean Azaro. Thank you very much. You can get uh, simple things.
1: Well, through. Baron, I, I'm <laughs> I'm proud of my work. I'm not insane. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, anyway, if you're just curious, you can hop on Spotify and search for Sean Azaro, and uh, you've got a beautiful singer songwriter album on there, don't you, Pastor Sean?
1: Uh, simple things, and uh, do I did enjoy doing that. It uh, it's a uh, to me, I wanted to make something that was good musically, but also glorify the Lord, and I think we did that.
2: Well, the music you're hearing right now is on that album, Pastor Sean. Take us home, sir.
1: Hey, thanks for listening, and thanks for listening to just conversations about these issues. I hope you find them informative. Uh, Give us a like. Uh, Do me a favor. If you like this podcast, recommend it to friends, okay? Forward this. Let people know about it, because uh, we love sharing these things, and we want to be a blessing. Anyway, have a great week. It's been great spending some time with you.
2: Podcast series in
0: a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit filled life.
1: I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit.
2: Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit filled Life by Sean Azzaro today at Amazon or Reaching Life.org.